Thanks for joining us on episode 1320 of the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. I'm Ahmad Vital. I challenge you to invest in yourself, invest in others, develop your influence, and impact the world by using your time, your talent, and your treasures to live out your calling. Having the ability to seek community for success is key. And one way to be inspired to do that is to listen to this. The Inspire Stewardship Podcast with my friend, Scott Mater. And it's just like, they, there's a part that just doesn't feel like you're getting through to your kids or you're not doing enough. And it's just like, some of them, you're like, how much more can you do? Like you are, like you're pretty awesome. But it's almost like it's never enough. And so I want, I think that sometimes, even though that is an internal issue with fathers and mothers, I do think that the kids can play a role in that. Welcome and thank you for joining us on the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. If you truly desire to become the person who God wants you to be, then you must learn to use your time, your talent, and your treasures for your true calling. In the Inspired Stewardship Podcast, you will learn to invest in yourself, invest in others, and develop your influence so that you can impact the world. In today's podcast episode, I interview Ahmad Vital. I ask Ahmad to share with you why he focuses on inspiring young men on their journey. Ahmad also talks about his faith journey and how that inspired him to now do the work that he does. I also ask Ahmad to share with you some of his key tips so that young men can get off to a strong start in life. One reason I like to bring you great interviews like the one you're going to hear today is because of the power in learning from others. Another great way to learn from others is through reading books. But if you're like most people today, you find it hard to find the time to sit down and read. And that's why today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Go to inspiredstewardship.com slash audible to sign up and you can get a 30-day free trial. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from. And instead of reading, you can listen your way to learn from some of the greatest minds out there. That's inspiredstewardship.com slash audible to get your free trial and listen to great books the same way you're listening to this podcast. Motivational consultant, international speaker, and author Ahmad Vital has empowered people globally with his inspirational guidance and tips for self-development. Ahmad provides his audiences with the tools needed to achieve personal success, utilize willpower and determination, and develop strategies that will allow people of all ages to achieve personal and professional excellence. After nearly a decade of studying the performance habits of high-achieving athletes, Ahmad has developed programs of inspiration and motivation that are beneficial to individuals, professionals, companies, and organizations worldwide. In 2011, Ahmad published Awaken the Baller Within, which was quickly labeled as the Athlete's Life Manual by some pundits in sports media. He published his second book, I Am More Than Enough, in April of 2019 to address many of his clients' confidence challenges in their personal and professional lives. When Ahmad is not traveling, speaking, or writing, he works as a humanitarian and teen ministry leader, volunteering his time to inspire youth to envision their futures beyond their challenges and circumstances. He is also an avid reader and a fitness coach, teaching cycling classes in North Houston. Welcome to the show! 
Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. We talked a little bit about it in the intro, some of your journey and working as a coach, working with others, the books you've been writing, that kind of thing. But what really moved you along that journey from doing the work that you've done to now being a motivational speaker, working with young people, you know, focusing on the books and all of those sorts of things? Again, thank you for having me. I'd say the core of everything is just me as a writer. That's been going on since literally I can walk, I think. Pen in hand is where I feel like my greatest strength is. And, um, that's a gift that was given to me. And I've always exercised that. Everything springs out of writing, the coaching, the consulting, the curriculum building, the ministry. Everything begins with me in the lab with a pen in my hand and a pad to my right. And so I look at that as the foundation. I look at that as one of the gifts and the callings I was given. And so I just have just really exercised and leaned in on that. I know we'll talk more about the things that have come from that, but me as a writer going all the way back to probably like the age of 10, 11, 12, somewhere around there. I've been writing ever since. Editor of my newspaper in high school, majored in journalism in college. First job out of college was with a newspaper writing sports and news for an area in Northwest Houston. And so everything, my first major gig, the first major money I made, all of that stuff came from, all that stuff stemmed from writing. So there's no part of me that doesn't include writing. And so I look at that as the foundation for everything I do up to this point. Where do you think that gift for writing came from in terms of, A lot of people, they talk about people always, everyone has a book in them, but most people never write it. (laughs) And yet you said writing was something that you resonated with even as a kid. That's pretty unusual. Why did your parents foster that in you? How did that come about? It's tough to say. And, And just, I think my greatest form of expression was just writing, obviously coming up, up until 11 years old or so, I was an only child. And I think my mother was a teacher. My dad was a petroleum engineer. My other father was an artist. Education was always all around me. But the idea of writing, maybe I wasn't much of a speaker back then. Who knows? And the way I just expressed myself was through writing. I just know that I pretty much wrote my first book at about the age of 11 or 12. Didn't publish it. But at the same time, I just leaned into writing. I was writing for major, I was writing for a community newspaper when I was 14 years old, getting a check. And so it just always, I think it's, I think it's just an inherent gift from God, man. I really do. I, I can't really explain where it came from. It's just, it just is. And I, once I figured out what that was, I've always leaned in on it. And how about your faith journey? How did that intersect you? You just mentioned you felt like the writing was a, a gift from God. And you mentioned ministry work a little earlier, but what? how did your faith journey play out as you move through those areas? Like most Christians, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a boat on water that's, that has a lot of waves in it, and it's moved many times over. I was baptized in a Baptist church. Uh, when my mother got remarried, I joined Catholicism. I did the communion and everything. I went back to the Baptist church when I went to college. And then on the back half of college, I became, I guess, would you say a a heathen or someone who just didn't even do anything? 
had a Bible on, on my bookshelf, but it just, it was collecting a lot of dust through college. I came out of college, went back to the Baptist church I, I was brought up in. And then I went into, I guess you could say alternative religions at some point in time. I was in a very lost state of affairs. And at that time, it seemed like a good idea for me to go that direction. Yeah. Um, but I always kept the Bible near, even if I didn't use it as much as I should have. So I always knew my foundation was in Christ. I just didn't know what to do with it as I was going through and just test driving anything that I thought would work because I was doing what the world had told me to do. It's like, okay, you're a Christian, you pray and do all of these things, but it's like, maybe there's something over there I need to see what's going on. And it seems like every time I was hearing something new, it seemed like something I wanted to pursue. And over time, obviously, you have your crash and burn moments. And, you know, you have that conversation with God. And it's just like, all right, God, clearly, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> if you could intervene right now, it'd be great because I'm I'm the prodigal right now. I'm very lost and committed my life to Christ. And in and out, that's probably happened three or four times in my life. And I'm pretty sure that's not uncommon for some people. But I will say that along the way, you know, God revealed some things to me where I knew that not only did he not leave nor forsake me, he saved me from so much. And my faith just continued getting stronger as the more crazy I did, the more his hand was just pulling me back from a lot of just bad decisions. And over time, I was just like, okay, maybe I'll try to lean in a little bit more on this. And that's where the ministry work came in. That's where working with the youth came in. That's where becoming a Bible reader was a practice as opposed to just a checklist. It became part of just as much as my DNA. It's like, okay, when are you going to do that which is going to draw you closer to where you're going to be being obedient? And doing what you know you're supposed to do, because if we're called to do things for others, we have to be poured into. We have to make sure our cup is full so that we can get from the overflow. And I have to say it took me some decades to figure that out. But thank God I did. And I'm very grateful to to be in this place right now, because I can tell you right now, the man who's speaking to you right now didn't exist probably 10 years ago. And that's all because of God and the faith and the grace that he's given me over the years. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to hear for people to hear that idea of, I, I think a lot of times people see where somebody's at in their Christian walk and they're like, oh, look, they're a man of faith. They're praying. They're doing all of the, the quote unquote faith stuff. They must've been like that their whole life. No, not necessarily. <laughs> it's a journey. It's not a, it's not a one size fits all thing that you just walked into at birth. Absolutely not. And no, it's it's and you read any of any of the disciples, man, they they've come from some places and there's definitely some I relate to from an anger standpoint, from a disobedience standpoint. And it's just man, like the life manual is right there to show you everything we're dealing with right now. And man, we all had to come from somewhere. And it's like that's where the testimonies come from, that's where the redemption comes from. And that's when you look back and say, you know what? How about I save somebody 10 years of their life and try to impart on them a testimony so that you don't lose those years from trying things that I for sure can tell you doesn't work. And 
man, when you know, I know we say this a lot in the Christian faith, when we talk about the how merciful God is, it's just like you can really say that with conviction when you when your story is just, man, I have the scars to prove it. I have the receipts. I have everything. And it's just, thank you for bringing me to this place at this time. I will use what you have given me. I will use the testimony to to share with others, to be able to bring them to a place where they can know your power, know your strength and know your wisdom. Mm -hmm. I think you just touched on it, but I want to hear you unpack it a little bit more. Why do you feel now that you're called to work and to focus with young adults, especially young men? Where does that drive come from? So somewhere along the way, and I think it was always a yearning that was within me. I had an older sister and obviously I had two fathers and my brothers were younger. And there was a side of me who always wanted an older brother. I wanted someone who had the values, the pragmatism, but just had the, the, the values and integrity of my father, but things I didn't want to go to my father about, at least <laughs> not yet, and have those conversations. There, there so, is something about having to go to dad or mom about something in there. <laughs> uh, yeah, some, it's, some of those late teen conversations, you're just not ready to talk to your folks about it. And my father was old school. Like I'm talking like old school Vietnam. Anything that was new and trendy just wasn't what he was talking about. So I couldn't really talk pop culture with him. I couldn't talk about some of the the struggles I was having, whether it was music, whether it was school, whether it was rap, movies, women. It just was just like, ah, you know, not quite there. I strive to be the man I needed when I was 17. And I start unpacking what did I need at that time? And I want to be that resource for young men, especially. Just especially now with the information age, with the digital stuff that's going on, with the lack of accountability, um, the delayed gratification is just put on the shelf because everything is so quick and instant that they just don't know the idea of digging the trenches one one shovel at a time. And so 90 days, same as cash. Is it really same as cash? <laughs> was the cash even there? That's a bigger question. Uh, but a, I'll get it in 90 days. You got to understand. Uh, uh, oh, man. That's a, whole other, that's a whole other podcast for another day. The financial literacy part of this. Oh, no, that's so. what I do. <laughs> yes. That's my so, job. Yeah. And it's just, it's just interesting. Because there's just so much going on, and I love my young men. I love what they represent, and I rebuke or am discarding any of what society is telling them they should be. And so over time, I just looked out, and I was just like, when my manager looked over me when I first started doing my international work. And she said, you're going to be the bridge to future generations. She's like, because you're old enough to be raised in old school values, but you caught the technological age. You're the perfect person to be that per- to be the man to, to pour into the next generation. And I was already feeling that, but it's almost like God sent someone into my life to say, hey, this is where you need to be. And I've doubled and tripled down over time, but they need guidance because I, I want to know that there's a future. I want to know that that 
the word of God still stands true, even at this time when the enemy is on full blown attack right now. And I want to be the one who says, I'm going to equip my guys up with their armor, but I'm going to put on double armor and shoot and try to shoot at me first because I'm going to protect them from some of the things because I know some of your tricks that they don't know. And so I'm going to inform them of all your dirty tactics and all of the things you're doing to corrupt their minds and put them in a position where they're useful adults, they're a provider and protector of women and children, and that they're going to be great men of society who are going to build us and take us into the next generation as well. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you a hard question about that. You mentioned that you as a kid had a hard time listening to mom and dad and going to them for certain things and talking to your dad about these issues and that kind of thing. Why do you think that young men want to listen to you? (laughs) That's a great, that's a great question. And I will say this. uh, It does take time. You have to build trust in them. They need to know that you love them. And so I do pull a lot of my young men aside. And when I'm teaching them, I don't, for one, I never share with them that I know everything. Mm -hmm. I share with them that I know what I know and I'll lean in on that. And I'll show you the proof of what I know. But when they come to me with a situation and I'm not qualified for it, I will go seek who is either I will seek the information needed to share with them or I will personally walk them to someone who is more qualified in that department. And so there's an understanding where it's like, Mr. Vitol doesn't know everything. And I'm never going to play that I do because I want what's best for you. And I know that there could be someone who's better for you to share this information. And so over time, the trust is there. When I'm praying for them, I don't judge them, right? They can come to me with pretty much anything. And we know at this point in time, we've all heard some things that are just like very personal to them. Not only do I keep their secrets close and make sure and work through that is that I'll follow up with them. I ask them, Hey, is there anything I can be praying for you for? What's going on right now? Hey, are you, what, what's going on with your math class? Are you dealing with the situation at school that wasn't so advantageous for you before? Like they know that I'm a man who's going to stand with them. I love them. I hug on them. I, I, I connect with their parents and ask them, Hey, what can I do to support you? for him. And and that's just things that I've learned over time. So it's just an idea of having an open heart and the trust and knowing that the love and light is shared with them. I'm not going to say it was an overnight process, but over time, they know there's an accountability factor. They know that, you know, where as much as I love you, I'm also going to hold you accountable. I will tell you when you've disappointed me. I will tell you when you're being disrespectful around adults. So there's a there's an idea that they know that there's no free lunch, but they know that the love is there for them. And they love it. I've always shared with people like kids don't want the YOLO, do what you want type of mentality. They want discipline. And I give them that. I give them benchmarks like, hey, this is what's going to happen. We have one week to be able to complete this, and I expect this to be done. And I will be checking on you every three days until that happens. And so there is a connection there. And I think that over time, I built up the idea that they not only listen to me, but they love and respect me because I do show them what's needed to be able to move on to next levels of life. Mm -hmm. And I was a school teacher for 16 years, and I always think it's funny because I actually had a list and you'll get a kick out of this that I'd gone and I'd looked up quotes from each generation, starting with at that time, it was the 
early 2000s. And I literally went every generation and I found a famous quote by somebody talking about how because of this younger generation, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. The <laughs> world just destroyed. And I, I managed to trace the quotes back all the way to Aristotle. Nice. <laughs> so it's like pretty much folks for a thousand plus years, <laughs> we've been talking, to, complaining about the youth of today and so far. <laughs> so that, I, my point being that no matter what the young people are doing, they're not the enemy that sometimes we think we are. But as adults, so often that's the message they get instead of the message of what can I do to help you? What can I do to lift you up? What can I do to respect you? So I think that's that's important that you're giving them that message. You know, with that in mind, why do you think why do you think community is important to this process? What how does whether they're seeking community with you, whether they're seeking community with each other, whether they're plugging into a church family, or how does community play out in this path that the young people are taking towards success? Community is extremely important because life is not meant to be lived alone, and none of us reach success alone. Lately, I've always said that you need community, you need a church community, a social community, build something around the school, build something around sports and activities. You need communities everywhere because they groom you. It's, it's almost like an accountability deal when you're part of groups, you're part of teams, because there's a shared value and there's a shared goal. And so then you realize it, not only is it not about you, but it's for the good of the whole, but everyone's pouring into each other to where everybody's cup stays full and overflowing. Lately, I've always said that you need you need a mentor, you need these different things, you need you need community. But there's something I've been discussing lately, and I, I need to put the guardrails and need to put it into a more of a principle and practice. But I've been sharing with them lately that you need three people, three solid people in your board, in your community, in your council. Yeah, so it's like you have your own personal board of directors, mm-hmm. right? Every corporation has them. They have meetings and things of that nature. And I say a minimum of three because I say you need three people who can hold things together for you. Let's just say you have a kind of a catch-all mentor, someone who's a jack of many things, but he's like everything for you. He leans in on you. You give him your goals and he holds you accountable. It's like, hey, where are we on these goals for the year, for the month? Whatever that looks like. Also, you need someone who's skills-based. Right. Someone who whatever profession or whatever skill or trade you're trying to do, you want the expert so you can be the apprentice to that person and they can teach you something. They can teach you that. And then I say you need someone, someone like yourself, like a minister, pastor uh, to where your moral barometer, the person who can look at you and say what you're doing is not illegal, but this is not the right path you want to go down. Someone who can tell you they're like hey i don't suggest you go this route because it leads to more dark things someone who's it's almost like your moral barometer i was that was one of the things i was really hurt about when i lost my father was that my dad was an artist and i went into media there's two totally different ends of the spectrum but just when life things were happening i would call my dad and the beautiful thing is, is when he was retired it didn't matter what time you called him he always answered late 20s, early 30s, I really leaned in on that a lot. And I would just ask him questions about things in life. And I just wanted his take on it. And he's 
you know, when it feels like the right thing to do, look at who's all going to be affected and make your choice from there. And it's just, like, wow, that's such amazing wisdom. Who all's affected? And also, this is not always just about you. There's sometimes you're going to make a decision that's better for everybody else around you, but not so awesome for you. But it's the right thing to do. So you need that more barometer person in your life possibly someone at the church. It can be a coach. But the bottom line is you need a minimum of three people around you at all times. And I'm telling young men as as early as 13, get that counsel of people around you. Get some tears going. If you're 13, look for someone in their mid-20s. Look for someone in their mid and their early 30s. And then get some, get the patriarch. Get that old school. Your 60 plus grandfather, everyone has to come through and see him and has all the wisdom of life in him. Get those levels of people around you asking questions and just be inquisitive and be humble and work under what program and goals you have so that they can help you get to another level. That is what is so important about community. And it's very important during this time because everything's teaching them not to do this. Curl up in your hole, be in your silo. Just, oh, pray by yourself. And just all of these things that are just disconnecting people from other people. And of course, COVID had exacerbated that on a whole nother level. And so now we got a, a bunch of youngsters who don't realize that the community is what keeps us all together and grounded. When, you know, whether it's your church or your listeners' churches, like when you had that day, you know what I'm talking about, that day where like everything has gone wrong from start to finish. You spilled coffee on your shirt. You stubbed your toe. Your car wouldn't start. You got a flat tire. The kids are mad at you. Lunch was cold. And then you just go into the church on Wednesday or Sunday service and just be like, hey, man, can somebody just give me a word? And then next thing you know, you have eight, nine, ten hands circled around you and just praying for you to just just understand that, that together we're better at this and we can help someone out of those situations. And that keeps you from having those negative thoughts that can lead to very bad things. The self-harm, the depression, the anxiety, not to say that those things still couldn't happen. But when you have a community around you and you have people who love and pour into you, you are less likely to go down that dark path. And so that is what the importance of community is from the time you're a teenager all the way to the time God calls you home. Mm, Absolutely. And I think... Like for me, sometimes some of the folks I'm coaching are significantly younger than me. And there's times and occasions I have where I'll say, okay, let me take off my coaching hat. And now I'm going to talk to you as the old gray haired guy hat. (laughs) It's just me. This is just called I'm 50 (laughs) and I've seen some stuff. Correct. Has nothing to do with coaching. Just has to do with I'm older than you and I've seen some stuff. And maybe I can help you save you some pain by telling you before you have to go experience it for yourself. Think about this. And what's funny is usually that's very well received from folks. They get that, that, that idea of, I, I don't think young people, because everyone talks about young people don't want to listen to people that are older than them. But it, in my experience, that's not true. They just don't want to listen to people that are just telling them what to do <laughs> or bossing them around or whatever. They, they like experience. They like wisdom. They don't want a boss. <laughs> Usually they've got enough of those in their life already. No doubt. And again, like you said, it's the trust factor. Sure. It's the trust. It's like <laughs> kids aren't crazy. 
they know they know when someone's authentic. They can peep someone out. Like you said, they don't want a boss. They want someone who's just, hey, let me lean in on this and true and truly listen to them and not just I'm older, so I know this and that. I have some 17 year olds who are smarter than some of the 30 year olds I went to school with. So <laughs> well, I know some 50 year olds that still haven't grown up. <laughs> <laughs> true. And and like you said, I'm actually seeing the opposite as well. Youngsters are yearning for, for this. And I think it's because there's that perception out there that, like you said, that, oh, this generation's going away, hell in the handbasket, all of that stuff. It's like, actually, no, this generation is going to be part of the revival. Mm-hmm. This generation is about to is about to turn the tides of all the stuff that we have not been paying attention to for the past 40 plus years that we took our hands off the steering wheel. You mean this they're going to have to clean up her mess? <laughs> yes. And, so this, and I love that you said that because now what is our job? Our job is to pour out all of it when we get around young people. I'm talking about dump it all out on them. Hey, what do you need to when you go into that school, you are the light? What can I provide? God, give me what I need to pour into these youngsters over here so that when they go into the grocery store, when they go into the schools, when they go on their sports team, this okay. I'm geared up. I got the full armor on and I'm ready to go to battle against everything. That is what our job is, right? Our job is to make sure they are equipped. Mm-hmm. And that's where I, that's where my mindset is now. That's what I pray for when I pray for my youngsters. I pray that they stay safe and that you protect them and what they got going on. But at the same time, God created me what I need to be to pour into them more proper and in a better way. This is not about me, right? This is not about me. Yet, I do know that we are all called, all of us, especially Gen X, right? We are called to be able to pour in to the generations behind us. And unfortunately, some have not answered the call and that's okay because there's enough saints in the streets to be able to take care of this. But our job is to go out and make sure the next generation has a better, more fruitful life than we have. Why would we not want that? I, I've never understood adults who just who are jealous of the generations behind them. I was like, don't you want things to be better? Don't you want to see a, a progress? Are you kidding me? I, I think it's like parents who are jealous of their children. I'm just like, what are we doing? It, it usually comes out of fear. Because of what? Fear change, of what? Change. Progress feels like change. And change is scary. I get that. I can understand that. However, as long as the change is a change towards, you know, godly principles based in based biblically, I'm good for it. Because right now the change needs to go back to just getting to (laughs) what the word is talking about, because we're so far off the rails right now that we need to get back to that. So I totally understand that. But yeah, fear and fear is a powerful emotion, extremely powerful emotion. So what are some tips or keys when you're talking to your young people and you're trying to help them get off to a really good start in life? Or if you're speaking right now to a listener who maybe is that dad or that mom who's worried about their kids, what are some of the keys or or most important things for us to think about to help them kind of get off to the right start? You're talking about as far as to the kids or from the parents to the kids? Pick one. Obviously, from the kids' standpoint, I do like to focus a lot on Proverbs, honoring your father and mother. That's, to me, that's the foundation 
of everything that's going on right now. Every issue we have going on is the idea of what is your relationship like at home? Every issue, crime, teen pregnancy, anxiety, depression, suicidation, it is all rooted on the fact of what is going on or not going on at the home. Mm-hmm. And I think because of how society has completely decimated families at every level, I think that I'm working a lot now with the idea that you honor your father and mother because that's who God called for you to bring you and give you life. Not saying you have to honor the actions, not saying you have to honor the mindset. I said honor the position, honor the role God plays, put them in your life for, right? And what I, and so you want to get to the point, because see what ends up happening is if you don't honor your father and mother, you take those sins and you just go ahead and internalize them and then you become the very thing that you didn't want many times. I'm not saying it happens every time, but it does happen a lot where you have so much resentment. And again, we know that when forgiveness is not on the table, we have a real problem. And forgiveness is not easy. So somebody might be like, my my mom never loved me. She never hugged me. And she walked out on me when I was eight years old and I'll never forgive her. Okay. But just know when you become a mother, when you become a parent, you are going to still have that same corrosion within you. And it's going to come out in your children as well. So just be prepared for that. So let's go ahead and address those now. So from the kid's standpoint, honoring the father and mother, other honoring that position um, is something I really want to stress very highly. And just really being, being the child your parents need for you. I, I stress to my youngsters, find one thing your parents do for you and take that responsibility. Whether it's cleaning your room, whether it's washing your clothes, whether it's cleaning your bathroom, whatever it is, doing some yard work. I want you to take something that your parents have done for so long and you've taken for granted and take that off of their plate. Because a lot of parents out there, even if they are really good at what they do as far as being parents, most parents still have a level of, I don't measure up. And there's still a guilt factor. And I've learned that over time when I especially talking with a lot of uh, with a lot of mothers. I didn't know there was a thing called mom guilt until five years ago. There's this inherent like moms are busting their humps, taking care of the house. Dad's out slaying buffaloes and goats and everything and bringing back the bacon. And it's just like they there's a part that just doesn't feel like you're getting through to your kids or you're not doing enough. And it's just like, some of them, you're like, how much more can you do? <laughs> like you are like, you're pretty awesome. But it's almost, it's never enough. And so I want, I think that sometimes, even though that is an internal issue with fathers and mothers, I do think that the kids can play a role in that. And telling your mom and dad, you love them. That's a missing art sometimes. Just go in there randomly and just say, dad, I love you. I love the fact of what you provided for me. I'm grateful that we had this house. I'm thankful you're my father. And do the same thing with your mom. Mom, thank you for the care and love you put into the things you do for me. And I think that's something that, that's just been missing, just the little things. And so from the kid's standpoint, I would go there. And obviously, we talked a lot about community. That is one of the huge things. And we, we leaned into that pretty strongly. But I would say the last thing, and it can go for the kid's side of thing or the parent side of thing, is I want you to develop 
uh, a servant leadership, a servant mindset going forward. I don't. I think if we shared in the pregame notes where I live my life on three words, gratitude, service, and impact. And I use that as my my uh, the man who raised me, the more barometer is not here anymore. So how about I put in my head that every action I take throughout the day needs to include those items, gratitude, service, and impact. And I'm like, okay, if I can stay true to that, I feel like I'm putting myself in a much better position to, to do what is needed for those around me. Again, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about whom you serve. And so when that humility kicks in to where, obviously we have the greatest examples of that. Jesus was the greatest example of service and humility, the washing of the feet and the feeding of everyone and the healings and things of that nature. When he's tired and needs to go recharge, somebody's like, can you come do one more? Can you do one more act? And it's just like, oh, okay, let's go. And, and, and it's just like, he made himself available to people. And that's the example we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be a resource in the community, whatever your service is, whatever your jobs are, people out there, whatever you do for a living, that is your ministry. You can reach people through being a barber, landscaper, teacher, accountant, shop owner, right? Working in oil and gas, working in entertainment, working in media. All of that is a ministry. It's a job and it pays you money, but it's a ministry because you have the opportunity to show the light to people and you want to lean in on that. And so if I had to, if I had to narrow it down, that would probably be the three things. It's community, honor your father and mother and be a servant leader and act with humility each and every day of your life. I've got a few questions that I like to ask everybody, but before I go to those questions, is there anything else about what you're putting out there in the world, the work you're doing? What would you like to sum up and make sure the listener takes away from what we've talked about today? Oh, man. Just uh, make sure that the first and the best of everything you do goes to God. First fruits. First of your talents. First of your money. First of your time. First of your service. First of everything. I have a morning ritual, and I'm sure some of your people have this as well. The first thing I do, first of all, the first thing I do is reach for my men's devotional on the Bible. That's the first two things I grab, first and foremost. And I read my devotional for the day, and then I read my scripture for the day, and then I pace while I'm reading the Bible. And then I pray. I pray for all the people who are on my prayer list. I pray for my family. I pray for my colleagues. I pray for my clients. I pray for everyone I'm connected with. I pray for my church community. I pray for the pastors. I pray for those fighting the good fight. I pray for I pray for all sorts of people before I pray for myself. First thing in the morning. And so um develop I would develop a practice like that where you're giving your first and your best to God. So that would be something that I would probably want to impart on your people. Of all the things I, I could have said, I don't, I, I don't know why that one God just hit me just then. It was just like, uh-uh, no, none of this other stuff. Give them the idea that the first fruits is given to the one who lives, moves, and gives you life every day. Amen. My brand 
is inspired stewardship and I run things through that lens of, of stewardship. And yet I've discovered that's one of those words that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So when you hear the word stewardship, what does that word mean to you? And what is the impact of that word had on your life? Um, I was glad and I was in, uh, in my preparation and in my quiet time, I was, I was leaning in on that and I was just like, Ooh, I like this question. And I want to sit with it for a little while. And I look at it as a man's relationship to his father, to God. That's to me, that's the foundation. And if I, it was two words that, that just kept standing out to me, it was obedience and management. Obedience. And obedience is one of those words that has plagued all of us <laughs> and every listener you have right now. But it's like we were talking about first fruits. And so when you talk about stewardship, it's like understanding that God is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-everything, and nothing of you exists without him, period, end of story. And we need to be able to lean in on that and make sure that God is praised daily, all the time. He's in control. And so it's our job to not only be grateful, but to pray without ceasing, to, to do what the Bible is calling us to do, the stewardship to go do what he is calling us to do. What does he say? He said, draw people unto the kingdom, right? We're supposed to do that. We're supposed to pray without ceasing. We're supposed to love our enemies, right? Take care of our neighbors. Oh, heal the sick. Take care of the poor. And for me, stewardship is embodying all that together. And knowing that you're going out every day with a mission. And that mission is not for you. It's not about you. That mission is about honoring what God has done in your life and to share that with others. So I think God has given me a gift and I'm so grateful for it. And so now instead of me going out and looking for opportunities to earn more, I'm looking for opportunities to serve more. And to me, that's where the inspired stewardship, that's where stewardship comes in. That's where it's just, okay, God, let me do your work first and let you add unto me what you think, what you see else for me to do. Seek first the kingdom, not seek first your ambitions, your book, your new house, the car, new clothes. No, seek first the kingdom and all that other stuff that you might not even see as important after you take care of the kingdom, I'll add that unto you and you'll be, and you'll be in a good place. So that's where I took your, your stewardship, your inspired stewardship question. So I thank you for putting that in my life because I, that was something I really wanted to lean on. And, and I sat with that, that, with that question for quite some time. Awesome. Thank you. And I like that. I like that obedience and management of calling that out. I think that's a good way to sum it up. So this is my favorite question that I ask everybody, but uh, some of my guests tell me it's a, it's the hardest question I ask too. We'll see how that goes. So imagine for a minute that I had this magic machine and I could pluck you from where you are today and transport you into the future, maybe 150, 250 years. And through the power of this machine, you were able to look back and see your entire life and see all of the connections, all of the ripples, all of the impacts that you've left behind. What impact do you hope you've left behind in the world? Hmm. 
I hope and pray that I have the biggest, I won't say the biggest, the strongest, most capable army of saints to be ready on guard to protect everything that the word stands for going forward. Where I have young men who are now older men who are leading homes, who are leading society, who are leading the future, who are leading churches, who are leading small groups, leading businesses with the values, with the integrity, with the godly spirit that is needed to make sure that God stays at the centerpiece to where I have, to where I've, I've brought up enough young men to where it's making an impact in this country and across the world where it was just like, I led the man who led the man who led the man who maybe is president one day and will restore the values of this country was built on. Those types of things. I want to see that my legacy went beyond my own biological legacy, but to where I just, where it's just hardcore on fire young men who are out there changing lives and creating more of themselves as a, as an out as a as an outreach to what I've done for them and they've decided to take on the same characteristics and go build and continue building to where we can look back when we're posted up with our heavenly father and be like cuz I think at the end of the day we're looking to hear those words the well done words you've done what you've called what you've been called to be doing Mm -hmm. that is what i want to see and i want to see the result of that to where long time ago someone says i I once i once knew this man who who invested in me and then of course it will trickle down to the young man who i poured into and then it'll keep going it'll keep going it'll keep going but the ripple effect will live on for years decades and millennia to come so what's coming next for you as we continue on this journey into the rest of this year? What's on the roadmap? Ah, next week I'm traveling out to Austin, speaking to a group out there and working, doing some service projects. Picking up back with the Boys and Girls Club here this summer, going to be doing a curriculum building. May even get the opportunity to do a young men's program through that. I have some curriculum for that. Um, obviously, through my church, we have a ton of things going on there. We meet weekly. We got our youth conference coming up. We have our mission trip coming up in July. We have a summer internship program we're working on, student leadership and things of that nature. And want to lean in on all of those types of things because I got some young men. Also, uh, I was uh, I was encouraged as I do coaching or whatever. And, you know, obviously people hire me for doing that, but um, I've committed to do three to four hours a month and more if needed to meet with young men who are on their way to college or on the back end of high school, those older, your junior, seniors, your early college freshmen. I've been rotating those young men out. Meeting in the cafe of our church has turned into my office it's a beautiful place because it's all set up with all the windows and light, all the light of God comes through there. And so just sitting down in there and bringing young men through so we can talk and we can get them in a position to where they can make some more empowered moves in life. So that's a lot of the things going on. 
It looks like as of recently, I'll be in New York in July, right before I go to the mission trip. So it's definitely going to be a lot of things going on. Looking to get out to some schools, some community centers. Some of my coaches have moved to other schools, so I'll probably be speaking to some football teams and some sports organizations here pretty soon. Just, man, if you want me to be honest, for a long time, I would separate business from my work I do on Wednesdays and Sundays. Because when you work in schools, they say, hey, don't bring that into the school. And me being a, a good boy, and I was just like, okay, that's that seems, that seems okay. And then after a while, I realized I was in some places where my values were being compromised. And it was one of those like line in the sands. What side of this are you going to stand on? What do you stand for? Are you going to stand for, are you going to stand for godliness? Or are you going to let the world tell you what you can and can't do? So then I think last year when I went into, when I went into one of my nonprofits, I was just like, hey, you called me in here to fix a problem. And I have some solutions. But they may come out of a book that maybe you don't know much about or that you don't rock with. But if you call me in here and tell you tell me otherwise, I'm leaning in on this. And what ended up happening is when I did that, there were kindergartners, first, second graders who were doing projects about love, respect and gratitude. And they're putting God and Jesus on their projects. I didn't tell them to do that. But I think that when I came in with that type of heart and I spoke in a certain type of way, never said one scripture in the room, but the Holy Spirit had been in the room before I got there, clearly, because these kids was just like, yeah, if I'm looking at the top four people I love, Jesus is number one. I'm like, oh, really? Beautiful. And so once I opened up in that way, I'm like, okay, there is no separation. This is who I am. I'm, I'm a ministry leader who speaks. I'm a follower of Christ who does curriculum. And that's where like I am now. And so what's next for me is to lean into that more, continue to ask for God's guidance of, hey, what do I need to become to take on the calling you're calling you you're calling me to do? And so, um the beautiful thing is right now, I'm I'm a bit of a mess, I'll be honest with you. Because <laughs> I keep getting stirred up and it's just, hey, I got somewhere else for you to be. And it's just yeah, I thought we were finishing up. Yeah, I understand that over there. Continue doing that, but let's go over here and do this. And the business plan that I put together that I thought was going to be the business plan has, I will say slightly changed, but I'd be lying to myself. It's going through an overhaul, like in real time right now. And and I'm grateful for that. But at the same time, it's, it's I'm listening to God more intently now as to what is the next step. And it's, he hasn't led me and he hasn't led me anywhere that's not been good, but it's tough not having all the plans laid out for what's supposed to happen. If you, if that makes some sense. Sure. Yeah. yeah. No, I will tell you that uh, I will refer you to the quote from Dwight D. Eisenhower. Plans mean nothing. Planning means everything. Meaning the act of planning is what's actually important, not the plan that you end up with, because it's going to change anyway. <laughs> sure. The plan sure. is never going to play out the way you thought it was, but the act of actually thinking about it and praying about it and leaning into it and doing all that, that's actually what's important. Yeah, I don't think, you know, it's not the plan that comes out of it that's actually important. So the fact that the plans change, who cares? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's not what matters. <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. 
So that's where we are. That's where we are with that. Awesome. So you can find out more about Armad over on his website, and I'll have a link to it, but it's at ahmardvitl.com. Of course, I have a link to that over in the show notes. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the listener? Yeah, um, um, we're doing a, we're doing a lot of moves, getting out to a lot of young people, and obviously here in my area, we're doing a lot of that. But we've been called to some places around the state and around the country. Obviously, I'm here in Texas, but <laughs> United's been good, so we can make moves if need be and, and get that out there. Obviously, now what Five Steps to Get Up and Create the Most of Life is a great resource for. Uh, young adults who are looking to make transitions in their lives and anybody who's really trying to make a bold move, <laughs> whether you're changing careers, going back to school, starting a family, like whatever your whatever major move you're trying to make professionally and personally, this book will get you there, taking you through the five steps to get you through there. Obviously, I want to be able to offer them a free digital copy that my publisher has made that possible for them. It's booknowwhat.com. It's booknowwhat.com. We'd love for you to be able to purchase your own copy. It's available on all platforms that sell books online, whichever one is your favorite one. Be sure to go there. Obviously, ahmadvital.com, as was mentioned earlier. Reach out to me. If you say you, go, you say you were at the Inspired Stewardship podcast and you were a listener here, just send me a message through my website or through info at ahmadvital.com. If you mention this website and you have a young person in your life who's struggling right now and just needs maybe just a word. Um, I'm offering 30 minute consults with those youngsters if they need it. Just uh, just mention this podcast here and we'll set up something where we can go through a quick discovery call and at least see where the damage is, see what the adversity is and come up with a quick plan to be able to work through that. I do want to offer that to your guests here today. We're leaning in and looking to save as many young people as possible because they are our future and we can't get anywhere without them. I want to lean in on that. So if there's an issue with someone out there going through that, by all means, please reach out to me. I'm pretty easy to find all the social media platforms. It's all my name. So if you know how to spell my name, you can find me. And uh, like Scott said, be in the show notes and everything. Reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you all and get your thoughts on what we spoke on today. I will definitely put a link to the book. And that's a very kind gift to reach out and offer that 30 minute consult. So I'll put a note about that in the show notes as well. So if you've got a young person and you're interested in, in taking advantage of that, you can either go over to the show notes or go over to the website there and find that, that would be awesome. Absolutely. And I, I thank you for having me on. Um, I, I love being able to share the work that needs to be done with our young people as a group, especially, the, especially with the young fellows. They've just been told so many things that are just not true and not advantageous to their well-being. And there's not many of us out here standing up for that cause. But I don't care about the numbers. I care about the work. Um, I do want to lean in on that. And I want to encourage anyone who wants to join me in that fight. Let's uh, let's link up and let's go out here and make something of the time we have on this earth. Thanks so much for listening to the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. As a subscriber and listener, we challenge you to not just sit back and passively listen, but act 
reflect on what you've heard and find a way to live your calling. If you enjoyed this episode, please, please do us a favor. Go over to inspiredstewardship.com slash iTunes rate, all one word, iTunes rate. It'll take you through how to leave a rating and review and how to make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so that you can get every episode as it comes out in your feed. Until next time, invest your time, your talent, and your treasures, develop your influence, and impact the world.